0: Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. This message tonight is called The Power of a Testimony. I'm going to talk about testimony, okay? I believe that that our testimonies are one of the most valuable things we have as believers. They're one of the most crucial things that we have that can affect others around us. And, and they can change the whole atmosphere of, of, of an office, of, of a business, of another home, of a relationship, by you talking about the goodness of your God. All right, and so we're going to talk about the power of a testimony tonight. Part of my testimony is rooted in this place. If you don't know me, I cry all the time. So if I start crying, just relax. It's all going to be good. I promise. It's all going to be good. Uh so th- this place is dear to me because it's part of my story. It's part of my testimony. I was looking around this room, and I was thinking that, you know, Jeremy Parham and I painted these walls black yes. years and years ago. We were, the, we were the guys that hung some of these projectors and, and, and installed some of these things on stage. And so this place is very dear to me, and it's a part of who I am, right? It's a part of my testimony. I remember cleaning those restrooms And mowing the grass and this I love this place Uh, and I would tell you that you have two of the best pastors I've ever met in my whole life that is not because they're that he's my brother-in-law they are amazing and I am so honored to be here your story can be the most important part of someone else's puzzle all right it really can it truly can your story can be a part of someone else's puzzle drawing them into the kingdom, showing them the goodness of God, revealing who God truly is. I still meet uh, lots of people, we're in, we're in southwest Dallas in, a, in an area called Oak Cliff, and a lot of the people that were raised in that area were either not associated with the church at all, right, or just to be honest, kind of pushed away or hurt by the church, and and it's not this church, right? Not my church, I hope, but other churches in the past. And so it's important that we take part of our we, we make it part of our responsibility to spread this good news, who God really is. I have people come. I had a lady come into our church uh, when we launched out a few years back, when Pastor Eric asked us to go down, and uh, and Pastor One caused Dallas, and she walked into our first service on a Sunday morning, and she is, I'd say mid-50s, she told me that she walked into that church when she was six years old, because it's been there for 70 years, and she said, I've not set foot inside another church since then, but today when I walked in, it felt like home. And so that's how I know that how important and how critical it is, how we present our God, how we present our testimony, how we talk about our God, right? The church... Of all places, the church. Your lives should be full of stories of you overcoming, you living in victory, right? You expressing the fullness and the goodness of God. It should be full of those kind of stories. We we do a lot of testimonies in our in our church. We we uh, we always encourage people to let us know. We do video testimonies. We do uh, little short interviews. We talk to people all the time. We're in the middle of a a series about that's called I Am Whole, and it's talking about healing. And it's talking about not only physical healing, but emotional and mental healing, right? And how important that is to us as believers. And, uh, and we, we're having testimony after testimony come up in our church about people who are healed of, of pain, of disorders, of emotional things. And I just love that God is continuing to work. All right, so the power of a testimony, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Wow. I, uh, I was raised in a Lutheran church. Anybody Lutheran in here? Nobody Lutheran? Lutheran is very similar to the Protestant Catholic, right? It's, it's like Catholic church. It's very traditional. It's very quiet, uh, unlike this place. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I love the tradition of the, of the church. I love uh, the, uh, the power that's in the tradition and the beauty. Man, I love stained glass. Oh, man, I love big cathedrals, uh, beautiful churches. Oh, that, that all gets me. But I was in, in Lutheran church uh, for years as a young person, and then I kind of drifted out of church, and I didn't come back in until I met my wife. And that was partly because of her testimony. And what I could see in her, the things I could see uh, that God was doing in her life, the things she presented to me as, as a Christian person, you know. And, and I just, I, I, I love the fact that that, is, that should be attractive to us. The goodness of God should be attractive to us. Yeah. Amen? So I'm going to talk about a testimony. A testimony, I'm going to read the definition. You ready? The definition of a testimony is evidence in support of a fact or statement or proof. It's an open declaration or profession as of faith. All right? This is beautiful. And I would ask yourself tonight, say self. You don't have to say it out loud. Rhetorical, rhetorical question. Say self. It's okay if you say it out loud. Uh, say, you know, what would my testimony be? And this is a place, you know, as Christians, it's great that we constantly assess where we are, right? I believe that we should always be moving up, that we should always be growing, that we should always be overcoming. And, and so sometimes I ask myself, self, what would be my testimony, right? Would it be, what would I say about my life? And I'm being honest with me. I'm going to tell on myself here, right? I'm being honest with myself. Would it be, I ask myself, would it be, would I talk about the things that God has done in my life? Or would I talk about the things that I've done in my life? And it's an important question. Right? Mainly because the things that I've done in my life, the things that really matter, were all orchestrated by God. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not that cool. I'm not that, I'm not that amazing. Sometimes I rabbit trail, okay? Those of you that know me, just, just stay with me, okay? I would say this is one of those times. The reason my hair looks like this is because my hairstylist retired. My... <laughs> My wife was my hairstylist for 20-something years. We've been married 20 years this year. And uh, she retired at the end of 2018, and so that's my joke. Right? My hairstylist retired, so there you go. She got, no, she just said, let's do something with diff- different with your hair, which means I don't like the way it looks. So I said, yes, ma'am. Where are we headed? <laughs> that's sad, isn't it? That's so bad. So Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 talks about they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Listen to this. This is beautiful. In the Greek, it's translated, that phrase is translated by the word of their testimony. In the Aramaic language, which was more of like the common language, almost the business like language of the day, it was translated the word of his testimony. Isn't that impressive? And what's beautiful about that is his testimony and my testimony go hand in hand, right? They're linked forever. In fact, they were, it, was, it was produced in such a way that that would be my testimony. My testimony would be yoked with the testimony of Jesus from here into eternity. Beautiful thought, isn't it? They're linked hand in hand. Either way, either way you read it, you win. I love that. Either way you read it, you win. Yeah. I'm having a good time up here looking at you guys. Man, it's been a few years. If you're new here, come back. <laughs> Pastor Eric will really bless you. Promise. So, so this whole testimony started, right, early in the Bible. We know that creation began in the beginning of Genesis. And then in chapter 3, what happened? Man separated from God. Right? Man chose to separate herself himself from the Lord. And so from that point on, it was a, it was, there was a project in progress. Right? Restoration had already been on the Lord's mind, but that process now had started. Restoration, fixing what was broken, broken, starting something so good and so new that we couldn't even, like that last song, that we couldn't even believe that we would deserve something like that the grace of God, the goodness of him sending a spotless lamb sacrifice that only required one act. One act. And so that separation from God had only one cure, one solution, and that was the sacrifice of Jesus. Listen to this. See, I believe that when man separated from God, on this earth, that's the moment the testimony of Jesus began. Because that story started. The restoration, the restorative act. It says he was, he was made ready before the foundation of the world. But at that point, everything started to churn, right? Everything started. It was put in motion on our behalf, on your behalf, on my behalf. This is going fast. I'm going to do this. I don't know why I'm so slow. I, I, we have two services and they're really short at our church. You know? Alright, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. I want to read something to you. It's beautiful. If you can stay with me, I read quickly, fastly. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Say, that's me. Say, so that's me. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose him Excuse me, just as he chose us in him. So he chose us when he chose him. That's how that's how much our testimonies are linked together. He chose us when he said, Jesus, this is what you're gonna do. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. This is just chock full of beautiful language, isn't it? it? To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I love, love, love that. And that, my friends, is the solution. That act is the solution. The fact that God chose us in him. And that when he would go through willingly giving himself up, willingly giving him his life up for us, that our testimonies would be forever yoked. And so this, I'm just building a little foundation here because I want you to understand how critical it is that you see how valuable you are, how much you are loved. Do not leave this place not knowing how much the Lord loves you. All right? For it pleased the Father that in him... All the fullness should dwell in by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. See, that's how we know that when we live in this world right now, that there's no, there's nothing that stands between us and God. There's nothing that God's waiting for us to blow it. There's nothing for him to say. You know what? I'm going to do this. If if you blow it, if you mess up, you're going to get it, because he made peace through his blood. He made peace. Through his blood. That's how we know he's a good and loving God. So I want you to know just a couple of things tonight. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your testimony began with what God said about you. All right? That's when yours began. His began a long time ago. In in, in the beginning of Genesis. Your testimony began when what he said about you was made clear. Right? This is beautiful. Who knows the story of Judges chapter 6? You ever heard of Gideon? One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, I'll just give you a real quick, a real quick recap. There's a man named Gideon, and 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 he is his his people and his tribe are being attacked by the Amalekites and the Midianites. And they were, they, they would come in and swoop in and take all their cattle ruin all their crops. Anytime they tried to do something for themselves, it felt like they lost. You ever been there before? Anytime you ever try to do something right, feels like you the hits just keep on coming. All of us go through that, right? And so this is where they are. And this guy Gideon, it says in Judges chapter six, he says, well it says in just a minute I'll tell you we'll read it. No, we won't. We're going to recap it because that'll take too long. So this guy is, this guy's in a hole in the ground, right? I'm a, I'm a visual person. I'm a visual learner. Is that okay? So, and I crouch a lot, too. So. so he's in a hole in the ground, threshing some wheat, trying to get some food for his family, right? Because the enemy, all they do is steal, kill, and destroy. You ever heard that before? The enemy swoops in and steals, kills, and destroys everything that is theirs, rightfully. So he's in this hole in the ground, trying to hide, not to be, not be killed trying to get a little bit of food for his family. And let me read this to you just for a second. This is beautiful. Crazy passage. This is great. one of my favorites because it helps me. It helps me. It reminds me, hey, hey, the Lord can work with anything. Right? This is, this is a big part of my story. Right? This is a big part of my story. The Lord said, I can work with anything. You just let me do it, and I can work with it. If you just say yes, I can work with you. Okay, Let me, let's start in about verse uh, 11. Now, the angel of the Lord came down. We're in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came down and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, that's not Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abbeazrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And, verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, and here we go. So this is a guy hiding in a hole. Trying not to be killed, trying to get a little bit of food so his family could survive. And what does the angel of the Lord say? The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said, verse 13, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Right? Don't look around, don't look at your neighbor. We've all said that before. I think we have. Then why has all this happened to us? And so Gideon is, is right now, you can tell he's ruled by circumstance. But what, what, what was different? The God, God came in and said, you mighty man of valor, this is who you are. This is what I'm saying about you. And he responds with, but what about my circumstances? This is the truth to me right now. This is what I see. And he says, And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours again. Let me remind you, I just called you mighty. You can do what I'm about to ask you to do if you see yourself like this. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Hold on, let's pause for a second. Isn't this the guy hiding in a hole in the ground that's scared that he's about to be killed? Mighty man of valor. You can go and save everyone around you if you just simply believe what I say. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, and you probably are familiar with this, but I love the irony because God just keeps on. He doesn't give up. You know, Gideon's, he's being hard-headed, maybe being a knucklehead. Come on. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Here we go again. Here's my circumstance. Here's my history. Here's what I've always been. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I... Am the least in my father's house. I'm the wimpiest of all the wimps. Right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes this is, life does this. Life can do this to you. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I understand. But what I love about God is he doesn't give up. Yeah. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites yeah. as one man. Beautiful See, listen, you've got the answer. You've got the answer and you've got the ammo, folks. You've got what it takes to do the job. Sometimes we just need to wake up and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's who I am. I know who I am. I'm not going to let circumstance run me anymore. I'm not going to let what the, the bank account says. I love bankers. I love doctors. When I need them, they're there. But what we trust is the Lord. That was a fantastic message on offering. That was fantastic. We try, and, and what I was going to say was, this is a little bit later in my notes, but my wife retired from cutting hair after 20 years at the end of last year. And so that was a huge step of faith for us, right? Because that's a large income. She made good money doing that. And she said, you know what? She, we were praying about it, and we didn't really know what to do. And then somebody called her out of the blue that lived in a whole different city. She'll probably be here in a, couple, in a week and a half. And she said, the Lord says, don't be afraid. Just do what you're going to do. What you need to do, just do it. And Jennifer started crying on the phone. I was like, oh, man, here we go. Step of faith now. All right. And we stepped out, and guess what? We haven't missed a penny. I don't know what, I have no clue what, how, I don't know. I know that we're in covenant with God, and we give. We give regularly. We tithe, and we give offerings and we believe that God's provision is ours, gosh, God is so good. Okay, I'm going to move quickly. You with me? I just need a few more minutes. I'm about halfway done, but I'll, I'll... If this were a paper, I'd just wad it up and throw it. Okay, this is a beautiful scripture. One, one or two last scriptures here. I want uh, to go to a real quick example. First Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, Paul's telling the church at Corinth, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which is given to you by Christ Jesus. Listen to these words. These are just really powerful words describing you. That you were enriched in everything by him, by Jesus. In all utterance and all knowledge. Well, that's helpful. Man, I used to say some dumb things. My mouth got me in a lot of trouble when I was a young person. I'm not kidding you. I used to make up words. He knew me. It was bad. It was bad. It was really bad. I don't know what happened to me. You are enriched, young people. Speak life. Speak life. I'm not kidding. Speak life. You are enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Ooh. So his testimony is confirmed through you, in you. How you live on this earth, how you overcome. Wow. So that you come short, this is my favorite phrase, in no gift. So everything you have need of is in him and it's yours. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm to you, man, what do you think about when you hear the word testimony? We're almost done. I think about a courtroom. I don't know about you. I think about a courtroom immediately, right? And that's not a good thought usually because there's somebody, there's always a lawyer that is examining someone, a witness, right? Or someone on the stand or... There's a prosecution and a defense, right? So we see the opposition's job is, is to always cast doubt on the other party, right? Make them look bad. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. yeah. That, that happens in life. The enemy's always trying to cast doubt and say, ah, you're not what you think you are. And this person's not as good as they are. The opposition's job is to, is to cast doubt. And so what they, what they often do is question your relationships or your experiences right? And this is important. Listen, you got to get this. They'll often question your relationship on one hand. and, and And I was thinking about this and when I was making some notes and I thought, you know what? One of the ways he questions our relationship with God is by saying things like, how do you even see God? I don't mean see. I mean like, how do you interact with God? How do you, how do you feel God interacts with you? Is he the man upstairs? Is, is he the, I hope I, can, I hope I can be good enough for him? Is he that to you? Or is he a good and loving father that takes you under his wing? This is, this is critical that we see God in the right light, right? And I know a lot of people of us in here, we know this. But this is a good reminder every now and then. It's a good reminder every now and then. Because sometimes when you go through experience, you question things. Right, and, you sh- and and this is the answer. How do you see God? How do you think God sees you? I ask my church that all the time. It's really important that you see God in the right way and that you see how he sees you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter if you ever blow it again, he's going to love you. Right? He's solved the breakup. He's solved. He's he's fixed the problem and then they often question experience they often question relationships and experience and I would say to that when I made some notes and I was thinking about experience right and and associated with God our testimony how do what what do I give God credit for right what do I give God credit for do I give him credit for those victories in my life even those tiny little things that I know I didn't do I there's no way I could have done that is it those things? Or, or is it where you brought up in a house that say, you know, you did this, so God did that. Right? You did this, so God did that. No, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. Right? I was raised, uh, and, and, I, and I had a, a, a skewed view of God. I had the wrong view. When I read the Bible, it became clear. But it took some people to get to me to like say, hey, you know what? Let's read this and just see. Pastor Eric's amazing. He when I, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, it was a trap, and uh, Pastor Eric, he trapped me in my house, and we sat down, and it, it was so gracious, and it was such a beautiful moment. And he said, you know what? Do you want to you pray about this, and you want to talk about this? And I said, sure. I didn't know what it was. I said, sure. Where am I? Testimony. Let's get back, all right? Jason said I could have five more minutes and we're almost done. This is, the, this is how valuable our testimonies are. Uh, any tennis players in here? Tennis players? Yes, brother. Okay, I was raised playing tennis, all right? Don't make fun of me. And, uh, and tennis, is, tennis is a very individual sport, and it, it takes a lot of mental toughness and a lot of physical toughness, and it's not like, you know, I, I was, I didn't go around and just, I wasn't like, ah, ah. I mean, I was competitive, you know, like, and so nowadays, and when I was a kid, I would watch a lot of professional tennis matches on TV, and there are four major tournaments throughout the year. One of them is called the French Open, and if you've seen it on TV, it's, it's, it's like, it looks just like this. It's crushed red brick on the ground, and you've got to run on it and slide and hit the ball, and that should sound difficult because it's really difficult. It's really difficult to do. I've played on clay courts before, and they're difficult. Well, in 1989, this is a few years ago, <clears throat> I'm pretty old. 1989, there was a match in the fourth round where a guy from Henderson, Nevada named Michael Chang played the number one player in the world, uh, Yvonne Lindell. This is old school, right? And so Michael Chang was about this tall, and Yvonne Lindell was about this tall, and Yvonne Lindell was a robot. I mean, he did not miss. He was number one forever, and he was literally like, it was literally David and Goliath, right? I'm watching it on TV. I turn it on. and say, I'm going to watch this match. It's going to be good. I hope. I kind of feel like the little guy's going to get crushed, but I'm going to watch it anyway. Well, come to find out, he loses the two first sets. There are five sets in a major championship. So this equated to five hours. So that's how tough it is to be on the court. Five hours, this match. Just a little under five hours. So he loses the first two sets. And then he wins a set. Then he wins the fourth set, and it's tied. The little guy is coming back, right? At that moment, he's winning. At the very last part of the match, he's winning the match. And his body starts to shut down. And his legs are cramping. And he's going through immense physical pain. And he said, there's a point where I thought about retiring, which means losing, giving up right? Physically, he just can't do it. And I read a quote, and he said later, he said, I had an unbelievable conviction in my heart to continue. And I, and I watched this young man, and there was a point in the fifth set where he served underhand, because he could not get down and then get up off the court to hit a real serve. He served underhand. No, and he's never done it again the rest of his career. He said, I've never done that again. He said, I physically couldn't do that. On match point, when he had a match point, he's standing in the box where Lindell's about to serve, and he causes Lindell to double fault, losing the match. And it was an incredible moment. I'm like sitting there crying, watching this kid. This little American kid just beat Goliath, right? And I think about something in him made him gut this out to continue no matter what the cost. Come to find out 20 years later, I read that he's a believer. And I thought, oh, there we go. That's what it was. So he knew deep down, beyond all the physical pain, beyond what was going on in his mind, he knew, I can do this. I have the equipment. I have the ammo. I have the gut. I have the the attitude. I can win this. Listen, I want you to remember that you have been given everything that you need to craft an amazing testimony in this life. You really have. you got to remember that. When you leave this place and you go through your your work week and you encounter others and you encounter maybe doubts and you encounter the enemy talking to you, man, how many many of you hear that? Oh, I talk to people in our church all the time and and the enemy just never quits. He's always just like self-doubt, sickness, just whatever he can do. But you've got it, folks. You've got what you need to craft an amazingly powerful testimony on this earth. Gosh. One more thing. Joshua chapter 4. I want to read this as we close. Joshua chapter 4. This is a beautiful passage it says and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan this is when the Lord had promised the people of Israel that they would be able to cross the river on dry land to make it to the other side right and and it says and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying take for yourselves 12 men from the people one man from every tribe and command them saying Take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. And I would challenge you as we leave tonight to, the Bible calls these memorial stones. And I would challenge you to look for those things in your life where God has come through right? You need to set a memorial stone down and say, you know what? Because they look back on this five years later, 20 years later, generations later, and say, do you remember what God did? Do you remember what he did that day? When there's no way we could get across that. Those stones signify if he did it then, he'll do it again. So let's all close our eyes tonight and I just want to pray for you as we close. I think it's important no matter where you are in life that you always look for those times when God comes through and recognize those things. Because God is a good God and he's faithful. And when we've set these memorial stones down, That is part of our testimony. That is the way we battle the enemy and say, no, no, no. No doubt in my mind now because I'm remembering that he did it. I'm remembering that he did this. And share those things with each other. Share those things with your family, with your church family. Let those things be remembered it will truly change your life. Father, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you that we have such a powerful tool at our disposal and it's called our testimony. That we could live this life overcoming adversity, winning by faith, and knowing that you are ours and we are yours. And Lord, I thank you that we have peace. We've been brought near by the blood. When I was in worship earlier, I felt like there may have been someone here that kind of feels like they're they're kind of out of the. Uh, out of their normal loop, out of their normal function. And I saw an image of a zipper and like on a shirt or a jacket or something like that. And you know how if a, if a zipper malfunctions, there's part of it that that sticks out and the rest of it is is can still be zipped up, but there can be a part of it that sticks out. And, and the Lord says to you, he says to you tonight, don't worry, I'm going to fix that. And you're going to be back to normal. So if that's you tonight, just receive that. I'm not sure who that was for, but but there are those times in our lives where, where the Lord uh, just speaks to us and we say, you know what? That's exactly what I needed to hear. So if that's you tonight, just know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he will fix it. He will make it right. Father, I thank you that you're good, that you do good. Thank you that we leave tonight knowing, Lord, that we are uh, full of an amazing testimony, Lord, that we will continue to win in this life, that we'll continue to be able to spread this message of love and grace through this metroplex and across this earth. Lord, the people that we would come in contact would say, what is different about you? There's something about you that's different, and that would just open a door of opportunity for us to speak life. And Lord, I pray peace over this house. We lift up Pastors Eric and Heather, Pastor Alex and their teams that are out tonight. I thank you, Lord, that they're doing amazing things for your glory. That they're bringing good news to someone who's broken, who's, who's downtrodden, who needs hope. And Lord, we pray for the leadership of this church, that they'd be strengthened in faith. Lord, we know that you continue to minister to them and that you continue to speak to them. I thank you that they're refreshed and revived and come back here fired up, ready for the prophetic conference. Lord, I pray wisdom and understanding over this house. Lord, that we would see things in the scriptures and hear things in our pastor's message here that would just elevate our thinking and that we would continue to to receive the goodness of God and that revelation stepping up and up and up. I thank you for the impact that this house makes in this town, in this area, that it would be a beacon of light that people would see from well far away that that is the place where I need to be that is the place where there is life and there is acceptance and there is love Lord I thank you for this amazing church tonight in Jesus name thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message for more information about One Cause Church please visit us online at onecausechurch.com